Come and dream with me. Hello and welcome to What Do You Want to Watch the Explosion Network's premier media podcast. Every fortnight we get together to talk about movies, TV and online content and help you answer the question, will all future reunion shows take place on Zoom? Maybe at this point. I don't know if we're ever going to be out of, out of this. I'm your host, Ashley Hobley. Joining me this episode is Dylan Blight. I want... Uh, no, I was, I was about to say Veronica Ra's reunion, but then I was like, I mean... It's been 12 months. <laughs> yeah, okay. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. All right. Uh, we've got an interesting show this week. Uh, we'll be talking about what's in our watch history. We'll be going over some news and we'll be talking about the movie that we ended up watching, Ran. Uh, but first, Dylan, I've seen you've been slowly falling down a dark well these last few weeks. Uh, We're getting into it. Yeah, let's <laughs> just get gonna straight bother. into it. I mean, we can segue into other things, but uh, you've, you've fallen into the... the Gravitational pull that is AEW. <laughs> so, I don't want to go, yeah. My <laughs> Before this show just becomes anime and wrestling every week. So, I'll try not to spend too long. But I guess, yeah. So, I, I used to watch wrestling up until I was like, I mean WWE, obviously. Up until I was like, uh, maybe 15, 16, something like that. And then I dropped off because I got bored of it and... There's probably other stuff happening in my life or whatever, and I, just, I stopped paying attention. Um, so it's not like a, uh, it's not like a sudden interest out of nowhere. It's like you, you know, didn't suddenly it's, just it's, learn the rules of wrestling. No, no, no. It's not like I suddenly just discovered it. It's 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 like falling off the bandwagon or something, and then discovering you like it again, kind of thing. Um, for people who don't know, AEW's a different. Uh, Promotion. What, what's the proper word? Promotion, thank you. Uh, then WWE. And I've never cared to get back into wrestling because as far as I'm concerned, WWE is um, boring, um, stale, run by a bunch of idiots. Uh, I don't like Vince McMahon, um, like personally, and also just how he runs WWE. Like, And there's a lot, lots of stuff that happens behind the scenes there that makes me not want to support it as a company ever so i never really cared to get back into it um aew was announced a year ago a bit over a year ago yeah a bit over a year ago a year and a half. um yeah and i, I mean I, I gotta give props where props due pretty much buddy watson from the upcoming podcast radio watson um i, I like how i can actually say something now it's good <laughs> um he <laughs> uh he has pretty much been just slowly dragging me into getting into AEW because even like 12 months ago or a bit longer when it was originally kicking off, he's like, oh man, you should check out this Kenny Omega man and like guy, like he would send me clips. I'd watch like Kenny Omega's like clips and like his entrances and, you know, cause he had like, he has lots of video game related um, stuff. Cause that's his character and whatever else. Like his finishes called the one wing, one winged angel. So it's pretty. What's that a reference yeah, to? I mean, it's far, Final Fantasy VII. Um, <laughs> you played the game now, um, so that was all cool. But I, I feel like the, the the part that slowly, the part that really hook, line, and sinkered me is weirdly enough about a month and a half to two months ago. For whatever reason, but he's like, oh, fucking check out these random Matt Hardy videos he started doing on YouTube. And Matt Matt Hardy was 
as I think everyone that's like my age says, like, one of my favorite wrestlers when I was fucking watching wrestling. Um, anyone who doesn't watch wrestling anymore says that Matt Hardy or the Hardy Boys were their favorite wrestlers. Um, but he started doing these random YouTube videos where he was, and I, di- I didn't get all the in-jokes completely because I'm not up to date, but I started watching them. And I just loved how completely nonsensical they were. And it's him talking about basically having a different beast embody him. And it, it's absolute fucking nonsense. But I was loving it. And also the fact that he films it all with these drones. And like it's overproduced to the point that it's kind of <laughs> um, ridiculous to watch. And I was loving that. So I'm like, this is great. And this led to a reveal that Matt Hardy joined the... AEW roster. So the mo- the first night he showed up on AEW, I had to watch that. I'm like, well, I'm fucking watching the U- I'm watching his YouTube videos. I need to watch now. I need to watch the show because that's where he's showing up now. So that so that they got me to watch AEW that way. And then from there, it just like slowly, I feel like I just started watching a little bit more, a little bit more, like stuff that was relevant to the Matt Hardy stuff I was watching. But then I had to start watching Chris Jericho stuff because. Then they had the whole feud start. Anyway, I don't want to explain everything that's happening for people that don't care. But yeah, so I've been I've been hooked back into wrestling somehow. I, I feel like it's just been a downward slope or an upward slope. I don't I don't know how you want to put it. Pre- pretty much for the last no, slowly over the year. Like I feel like just this like tick tick tick. And then in the last like month, it's just kind of domino effects to the to the stage where I had to admit, I'm just like, yeah, I'm in. I watched, I watched, I watched full shows now. I'm in. Like, <laughs> I can't just be like, I'm only watching clips or random matches or segments or whatever. I'm in. Um, and I am enjoying it. It is good. Um, AEW, I, I think from what it gives, it's the end, it does the matches well. I enjoy everyone that I've seen so far and enjoy. But I also think like coming back to the whole not liking Vince McMahon as a person. And also, like how he runs, or how the people, how people behind the scenes run WWE. Because like I've never liked any of the. Of course, you see shit like just you know the way they they've treated women there pretty much for the majority of time. And that's changed. Even, even if they're getting, even if it's changed over the last couple of years, I would say that was always a. I think I hit. I hit a. I hit an age point where I was like, this is weird. Like. <laughs> Especially because I, when I dropped off it, there was that one kid in my class who was just was obsessed with. He had all of the girls from WWE, like pictures of them everywhere, and it was obsessed with. Them. I'm like, I don't want to be that guy, so I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I don't want to be that. Um, but yeah, AEW, I, I, I enjoy the way it's being run behind this behind the scenes. I think it's been more inclusive uh, from the get go. You know, like literally from the get go, they're like, yeah, we've got a transgender person uh oh, female what fighter, a surprise you get one transgender yeah. person and dylan's on board no, well <laughs> i just think it, it kind of sets a precedent when they do that from the get-go not like w- way down the track when they're getting asked to kind of thing you know they're not wwe they didn't have to do these sorts of things or whatever but i feel like they just kind of set a standard and um the, the, it, it, it says something for people who are like that think WWE is run by a bunch of idiots. And all in all, I, the other thing I, I really enjoy about it and the, the thing I've been enjoying diving behind the scenes, getting into more, is the fact that they allow... Like, the reason I got into it was because of Matt Hardy doing a YouTube channel, right? Yes. Not because of them promoting it or doing something in the actual show. 
So then it, I also enjoy the fact that I can get into this, but then I can go watch Being the Elite, which is um, the Young Bucks YouTube channel, right? Which they've been doing for years. And I enjoy how they do all of that. And it's not necessary to watch it. However, I enjoy that everyone kind of has their own, or a lot of people have their own like sort of YouTube channels. And it just seems like mo- a lot more modern, you know, where people are doing stuff in character and kind of continuing it because they enjoy it so much. They enjoy like just doing it. So they just do it on the sides or whatever. It's not like all like getting paid a million dollars to show up and do it kind of thing. I don't know. Um, but I'm enjoying it. Yep. That's my so you're going to be watching you the upcoming <laughs> double or nothing pay-per-view this week. I think this weekend at release. Yeah. I paid for it last week. Paid for it last Done. week. Maybe we should talk yeah. about it somewhere at some point. Yeah. Might do. Might do. Maybe not here. <gasps> somewhere else. Uh, so <laughs> let me pause for a sec. I need to pause for a sec because I feel, I feel I I did say this to Buddy the other day. I'm like I said I was like I feel like Ash has been like there's been points where like uh, you'd hear or like Buddy would mention that I'd watch something and I, I'd feel like you'd be sitting on the side like is anyone actually caring about this or is he just watching it to keep like to be nice to Buddy because he's like sharing stuff or whatever. <laughs> and I feel like there must have been a stage where he was like wait no Dylan's actually <laughs> <laughs> liking this that was out of left field. No, was it weird? No, it, you like no. You, the buddy is slowly taking over. He's in, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what happened. Uh, so I watched the competition WWE. I watched their Money in the Bank uh, event. It was fine overall. Obviously, the big draw was a big Money in the Bank contract match where both the men's and the women's was going to be held at the exact same time, and they had to fight up the WWE H headquarters office building to the roof where the ladder was set up to get the briefcase, to get the money in the bank contract. It was amusing. Obviously, it was pre-recorded and everything. Uh, this was kind of cheesy at certain points. Uh, there was some fun comedy bits. Everybody had got some good offense in. It was an enjoyable thing, but I feel like now is definitely the point where I'm thinking I'm dropping that WWE Network subscription. I think I've... Oh, shit. Yeah, no, just... I got it at the start of the year. Obviously, Royal Rumble is this big event that everybody kicks off and you you have to watch the Rumble. I mean, it, it, it's necessity. And then you'd sort of go on and it's got a, it's more, I forget to cancel it than <laughs> me <laughs> definitely needing to watch. How much does it cost? It's like 10 bucks a month. Yeah. Oh, a month. Yeah. So something yeah, like that. Maybe a bit more. Uh, but yeah. Uh, the only other thing I want to mention, obviously, they started the Last Ride uh, documentary yeah. on the network. What's that on? That oh, it's on the on network, network uh, about The Undertaker. I mean, it's interesting. Obviously, the first episode sort of focused on his most of his career prior to his match at WrestleMania 33 against Roman Reigns. Um, the second episode was kind of detailing the next 12 months from his initial disappointment about the how that match played out, uh, his surgeries and that kind of thing leading up to his match, his very short match at WrestleMania 34. Um, against John Cena. The next episode that's coming up this coming week will be about the <laughs> crown jewel match against um, DX with the Brothers of Destruction and just generally the Saudi Arabia stuff, which is uh, notably terrible. So, you know, it should be a fun watch at the very least. You don't... So if you're... It, you- you don't pay. You don't watch AEW regularly. Right? No, I've just follow online. Like I'll check what the results and that kind of stuff is, and if there's any big news yeah. stories or that kind of stuff. So now that I'm into it more, and Kieran, I think watches it semi regularly. 
at least keeps up with it yeah. enough. Um, so now you, what you're really saying is you're just canceling WWE so you can go put that money on AEW. No, I'll probably just save it and just keep keep track nah. online. No. <laughs> it's cheaper. Is it though? AEW's cheaper. Yeah, it's, uh, I paid through Fight and it's $7.99 a month. Okay. That include the pay-per-view? No. Then it's a drawback. Uh, I mean, there's not there's only several pay per views a year. It's fine. <laughs> uh, okay, moving on from all the wrestling talk. Um, so I watched most of the new series that came out debuted on Stand. It's uh, called The Great, uh, created by Tony McNamara, who was one of the co-writers of The Favorite, um, starring Ellie Fanning and Nicholas Holt. It follows. It's loosely based on the rise of Catherine the Great, an empress in Russia back in 1770-something, I think. Um, It is a lot of fun. It's not a serious take on that period in history. It's very much a satirical drama, comedic drama. Pretty much uh, Ellie Fanning plays Catherine the Great, uh, or just Catherine who gets pretty much sold into marriage with uh, Peter, the emperor of Russia. Um who pretty much only marries her so he, she can get a heir. Uh, yeah, that's the correct word. <laughs> uh, and has no interest in anything else to do with her except, you know, release his seed into her once a night. Um, <laughs> and uh, obviously... What a sentence. What a sentence. She's coming from, like, the western part of Europe, which is more, like, liberal and more wanting to... D- be more forward-thinking and f- worried about f- literature and art and that kind of stuff, and Russia is not. And uh, she's trying to enforce those, trying to get those ideas across into the world, and uh, basically it leads to her working uh, with one of the other people in the court to start a coup, because uh, if there's no hair here, uh, to air, yeah. air, that's the word. Uh, to Peter, and he... What's it, if what's he this, dies... What's it, this ties with that other word. What's the other word that you... Uh, what was it? Oh, fuck it. What was it from a couple episodes? I can't even remember what it doesn't was matter. now. Oh, it does matter. Someone please tell me. That one that yeah. you kept fucking up. Yeah. Add it to the list. Yeah. 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 And something else. Uh, yeah, if there's no air, she becomes the Empress of Russia by herself. So, you know. Uh, Nicholas Holt is a bundle of fun. He's like... a is. He's like if Joffrey was a horny teenager, you know? Like, he's got a mean streak, but <laughs> it's like he's more concerned about uh, getting his uh, he's getting his end away and, uh, <laughs> and you know, ma- making sure he looks good in front of everybody then, you know, the good of his, of his country. So, uh, yeah, fun cast, uh, interesting story. Uh, it's only like 10 episodes long. I'm thinking I'm up to episode nine now. So yeah, it's on Stan. Uh, definitely check that one out. Uh, want to mention, uh, the comedy show Single Parents, which is on, uh, Fox. It's on Foxtel somewhere. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, I think I mentioned it last year. Second season ended. Uh, still one of the best underrated comedies, I think, on television at the moment. Uh, great ensemble cast uh great kids involved uh this season saw uh a pair of the friendship group sort of get together and then sort of dissipate uh but it all feels like it's 
it's, it's all building nicely to another season, and then the, this season ends on like a really interesting cliffhanger, um, where Leighton Meister's character and Taryn Killam's character have sort of been, you know, like they've got some sort of connection. They've sort of been circling each other, but, but uh, you know, um, Adam Brody, no. Yeah, Adam Brody. <laughs> he gets in between the two, uh, who was the father. From the OC. From the OC. Okay. Yes. Because she's the father of Leighton Meester's son. He's, like, he's been like a estranged father, character, and they've got, sort of gotten back together at the end of the season. Um, so, yeah. It, it's it's a fun show. Uh, l- nice, light-hearted comedy that you can enjoy during this quarantine. So, um, Let's move into... <laughs> The mandatory Netflix segment of the show. So I was very fortunate to get an advanced look at the next season of Queer Eye. Uh, it will be debuting on Netflix on the 5th of June. Uh, but season five, it's 10 episodes long, which is longer than any season so far. Uh, they are based in Philadelphia, which kind of gives it a slightly different feel to the last couple seasons, which have all been like rural parts of <laughs> of uh america like georgia and uh i can't remember where the first season was first season was like somewhere around there like kansas or kansas it was something like that this is more city based uh there's a lot more like neighborhoods and that kind of thing um i would say this is probably the best season so far overall of the show big call big call i don't know if like there's a there's the the highs are as high as some of the other seasons but like for overall standard I feel like it is the best season so far. Um, I would say at least six out of the ten are like have got moments where you're going to be reaching for those tissues because you know they've got that heart, those heartfelt moments. Um, but if you've seen Queer Eye before, obviously very similar formats. The guys, the five. It's guys- only one format. Come on, <laughs> it's a, it's the same <laughs> format. <laughs> the five guys come in and just completely change somebody's life. Um, yeah, I mean, my review should be up on the website as this goes up. Uh, I th- yeah, the I think the the casting for this season, obviously the recruitment of the heroes that they picked is like spot on. They've got a nice selection of different heroes. Uh, there's a gay pastor. There's a, a divorced dad whose daughter's about to get married. Uh, there's a kid who used to be homeless and is trying to get himself back up there's like a gen z activist so like an 18 year old like activist trying to get climate change through uh there's a super mom whose husband is currently dealing with als uh, and her dealing with that and as well as trying to keep control of her family um there's a fishmonger who's opening a restaurant at the same time but also has issues within his own family as well as like a working mom who's having trouble dealing with being at work all the time and not having not being with a young daughter who's at home with her partner. I mean, there's a nice range of different characters. I think there's no one in this cast this season that I didn't like. Um, it's like maybe one or two that I like less than everybody else, but I, I think it was a nice range. Uh, there is one episode where they sort of change up the format of the show because normally they get to like the the final segment where they, they watch it back on replay. But this time, they're part of that final segment. It's crazy. Revolution. No, that's not the. That wouldn't be the first time. The, I'm pretty like, sure it is. Stay, really? Yeah, I can't think of another time. Mm. Uh, yeah. So, really enjoyable. I. It. It's clear that Bobby Burke is the, <laughs> is the workhorse of this show. He does the biggest job each week. 
Like he, he renovates a church, renovates a restaurant, renovates people's businesses. It's crazy. And then Anthony comes in and like shows him how to cook one recipe and that's it. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty clear. And they even, they try to work him into different ways into the show to make him seem like he's doing more work. Like one episode, he just shows up in Fran's re- like dressing room and dresses up randomly and then walks out. It's really weird. I, I feel like they've done that in previous seasons where, like, if the person doesn't need much hair stuff, they have Jonathan go be somewhere else or... Yeah. You know, like, except, like, I feel like whenever there's kind of a deficit somewhere, yeah, they... they try they, and work them in, so... But, yeah. I feel, but also, Bobby has a, a team of probably... Bobby has a team, but then he also does people. stuff beyond <laughs> that. Like, he's trying to help... He does... He helps people with their businesses and that kind of thing, because obviously he's running his own business and that kind of stuff. Um... And, like, help some other people, like, financially. Obviously, anything to do. Obviously, the first episode where he's talking to a, the gay pastor and is they have a very strong heart-to-heart about his issues with the church and that kind of stuff. So, I feel like he is, like, the... Is the he's the unsung hero. <laughs> well, he's probably pretty sung, but, yeah, he's pretty great in Queer Eye. Um, my only nitpick is they've changed, like, the vignettes. You know, the little bits in between segments where they'll be, like, dancing around and stuff. Um, they redid it and they shot them all with like wearing Philadelphia based attire, like old Civil War-esque costumes and that kind of stuff. That's all fine. My issue is right before that last segment where they cut off, they've just left the the person and then they go watch whatever happens. In between that dancing segment is the Fab Five plus the person. And my brain is like... When did they film this? <laughs> well, they obviously probably just filmed that one specifically for that one episode. Maybe. No, it do- it happens in every episode. Every episode they film with the person dancing. Yes. And I, in my mind, I'm think I can't help but think, when did they film this? I mean, is it they would have filmed it on the last day or something? Probably. What, like after they left? Oh no, before I guess. No, they pretend to leave, then they film it. Maybe it's I don't know. TV, yeah, I mean, like, oh, it's, just, it's like they walk out the door. Spoilers: they probably come back in. They're like, "Yo, we filmed the goodbye. Let's film the dance." <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's just one yeah. of those little reality breaking things that that was annoying to me. But if that's the small nitpick, if that's the biggest nitpick I had, that that's it's clearly a very good show. So, uh, Queer Eye coming fifth of June. Um, I don't know what score I'll give it. Probably pretty high though. So, yeah, definitely ten episodes. Great television. Uh, then I need need to talk about the Last Dance. Um, it has been <laughs> required viewing every single week. Like I'll be just passing time until five o'clock hits on Netflix so I can watch the Last Dance. It is an amazing documentary following Michael Jordan. The the Michael is pretty much focused around Michael Jordan's career um, at the Chicago Bulls. Uh, it is kind of the main crux of the season follows that last season when he's at the Bulls uh, going for their sixth championship. Um, and then it's sort of they flash back to each of the previous years, mainly the five other championships, uh, which is a lot of championships over 10, uh, 10 years. Um, they do go into that period and when he, when he didn't play basketball anymore. Uh, <laughs> and the uh, alternate version of events 
uh, where apparently he came back from baseball because they went on a basket baseball strike and not the events that were properly documented in Space Jam. Um, but uh, yeah, <laughs> it's an interesting watch and it was just riveting television that uh, clearly caught the imagination of like everyone across the world, I think, because it's been like, anytime it pops up, there's like Last Dance uh, memes and <laughs> and different things popping up on Twitter. Um, but yeah, I think it was amazingly done. I would have liked a bit more of a epilogue or something. It kind of does like a hard cut as soon as like the, they win the championship. They sort of explain why the team broke up, um, mainly because they wanted to do the start of rebuilds and the coach didn't want to go for another year and that kind of thing. Um, I would have liked to known a little bit more about where everyone kind of ended up. But, uh, other than that, yeah. I, I just really enjoyed the documentary. I think probably one of the best documentaries series you'll see uh, probably this year. Yeah, so that is everything in our watch history. Let's move into uh, some news. I guess the big breaking news today, as of recording, is that Ruby Rose uh, has quit Batwoman, the CW television series. Was it confirmed she quit? By the way, she walked, she departed. Yeah, Uh, the wording's weird on it. The wording is weird. Uh, I think her quote is, I made the very difficult decision to not return to Batwoman next season. This was not a decision I made lightly, as I have the utmost respect for the cast, crew, and everyone involved with the show in both Vancouver and in Los Angeles. Um, This kind of came out of nowhere. I think the season finale was like a week ago, um, or this Monday. Uh, as of release um, there's a lot of speculation as to why she's quit uh, ranging from the fan like the hate she's getting from trolls and that kind of thing people who don't like that she's an LGBTQ actress before playing an LGBTQ person uh, at the other end of the spectrum she did seriously injure her back during a stunt dr- earlier in the season uh, in which she apparently her- herniated two discs uh, which made it difficult for her to feel her arms at times and risked giving her facial paralysis, uh, not mentioning to coming close to severing her spinal cord. So it, it is a unfortunate situation. Uh, apparently the show hasn't been great either, which I'm sure didn't help, but it was picked up for a second season. Uh, and the showrunners and producers have already said that they are committed to a second season and will be recasting. Um... Have you ever seen a situation like this before? This is like a unprecedented situation, I think. I was trying to read when I read the news. I was trying to think of something similar. And although people get recast on shows often, it's usually only small bit players. Yes. And you don't even notice half the time because, like, the show will come back and they'll be like, oh, this person's this person. And you'll be like... Yes, that person is that person. Because you don't even remember the original actor yeah. kind of thing. Like, th- those sorts of roles get recast a lot of the time. I know, like, a big one I saw people bring up when I was looking at the replies to uh, the story, wherever I read this from. They um, recast Sarah Lance in the ri- original first episode of Arrow was just, like, some random actress because they didn't know what they were going to do yeah. with her. But, of course, when they were like, oh, now she's going to become a main big part of the show, then they recast her for a... like a Someone bigger, they wanted. <laughs> someone capable of carrying that role full-time, because at the time it was just a background sort of character for one or two scenes. 
Um, so that stuff happens. But no, this is rather weird. Um, the way it's all worded is weird. The way there's no real proper re- reason, reason being yeah. given is also quite weird. I feel like there's just... I feel like there has to be some sort of animosity between Somebody. Ruby and CW or someone. Like, I, I really don't... Maybe she didn't know what she was getting into when she signed on. Also, the fact that they only had to sign for one season in a contract or she had to work her way out of it. That's also quite odd because I feel like they would have signed her for a, like, like, surely you put, when you do a show like this, you're like, hey, sign for like two, three seasons, yep. even if they don't get two seasons out of the show. But if they do get that much, they at least have someone committed. You know what I mean? Like, it feels weird to have someone sign on solely for one season of a show and then when it gets renewed for a second season they're like hey renew your contract and she's like no nah, i'm out peace that seems weird for this type of show for a cw type show and so most cw shows go for at least a couple of seasons i feel especially all these uh unless they the bomb yeah. comic book ones i don't think any of these like, arrowverse shows have lasted less than five seasons <laughs> no exa- exactly so i feel like considering they've come off hit after hit or at least like good enough to to go for several seasons all these comic book mm. dc shows it feels weird that the, they would have only signed her for one so i have questions about how she got out of that and if she got out of it so easy that's that's weird if it is like her injuring her back or whatever and then she's like no nah, i can't handle this then i would say i guess she didn't realize what like the, how physical the production may or may not get i i feel like if she wanted out of the show solely because of the production side of stuff, I would actually say it was most likely the way these shows have to shoot and run, which is all of these CW shows are rather hectic. And it's like, okay, we're filming this episode. We've got like one week and you know, like it's, it's full on and they don't have much money. So it's just like, get it right, get it right. You know, there's not, there's not much time for fucking around kind of thing. It's a a lot of these CW shows you you read behind the scenes and the, they do long shoots um, extensively long shoots to the point that it's um, questionable how long they're having people film on some of these these shows. Um, but that's how all of them are run. So yeah. weird. Anyway, um, and if 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 she was forced out by the fans, I guess that's weird. Considering I feel I honestly feel like anytime Ruby Rose is cast in anything, people are just talking shit about her. Like I feel like she just has a vocal hate group yep. as much as she of course has her fans but anytime i see her cast anything john wick oh fuck ruby rose uh, triple x turn his hand cage fuck ruby rose like anytime i've seen a show up in something she's i've had people in comments and trailers and whatever like hating on her so like i don't feel like it's that because she gets that everywhere <laughs> surely should be somewhat used to used to that i don't know yeah i don't know I, until we get like a reason it's hard to say exactly why or if it's justified the reason she's leave left uh it does leave a big hole i think obviously in there they're gonna have to find somebody re- to replace it do you go with it at least they got time they do they've got they're probably not shooting because <laughs> yeah i think they have technic they have cw have delayed all their shows until 2021 yeah. so it's it's going to be a while even they could probably push it back they do have a lot of shows on their slate including the next upcoming superman and lost lane series that launching next year uh yeah next year now uh <laughs> so uh yeah i mean it's interesting on the back of i've seen some information about the end of the season where they've introduced uh tommy elliott who plays hush 
Um, and uh, he's got his face changed to a certain billionaire uh, at the end of last season. So, obviously, they're pushing in a certain direction. Uh, do you know who I'm referencing? Yeah, I know who you're saying, but I'm trying to work out why they would do that. It's weird. <laughs> because it's Hush. Like, that's that's the story in Hush. Yeah, I know I know it's the storyline, but... Like, I, anyway, I can't say it without spoilers for the comic, I feel. And, and, or the show, potentially. But, but yes. Uh, interesting story. I'm sure it'll be something we find out... Hopefully, we find out some more news about this uh, in the coming weeks. Just to make sense of it and that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Um... Let's talk about uh, the Mandalorian. <laughs> There's been a lot of rumors and uh, reported casting news uh, the last few weeks around the Mandalorian. I hate it all. You hate it all. But go on, go on. No, I, I just hate. I to, to get it out of here so I can, we can discuss the actual casting. I'm kind of sick of reading all the cast. Like this person's been announced. This person's been announced. This person's been announced. None of this has been confirmed by Star Wars. Everyone's writing about it as if it is confirmed. I'm sure a lot of this is at least 99.9%. And, and then at the same time, I'm like, how the fuck is so much of this getting leaked? I find it weird. I don't like it. It's just too many questions. There's too much of it. But continue. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, previously talked about uh, Rosario Dawson being cast as uh, Ahsoka Tano, I believe her name is. Uh, yes, very that small is the name character, of the character. <laughs> that nobody remembers. Uh, in news that <sighs> should make you happy, it has uh, been reported that uh, Katie Sackhoff will be reprising her role as Bo Katan cries a Mandalorian warrior she had previous voiced yeah. on the Clone Wars. So, this one I believe because when we talk, if you listen to our Mandalorian after show, which you should listen to at the end of this year because we'll be doing it again when season What's two it called? Uh, it's called The Mandalorians. It's just, it's, it's law in the middle of Mandal. Explosionnetwork.com. Find it. Sure. Um, wait. I just want to mention, obviously, <laughs> uh, the community uh, table read. They did that uh, this past week doing an episode. Yeah, I saw Dan Harmon. <laughs> Yeah, anytime. So, because Walton Goggins couldn't come back to reprise his role, they got Pedro Pascal to play it. Anytime he finished a sentence ending in man, uh, uh, <laughs> Dan Harmon would see DeLoreans, which would crack yeah. up Ken Jeong every time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and but on that, on our show, The Mandalorians, I remember bringing up at least once or twice, or maybe even on Old Rain Explosion. I don't even know. Any, I remember several times talking about the future of The Mandalorian. And being like, Katie Sackhoff should come play her character because her character is the one that makes the most sense that will transition the best from the Clone Wars, which is an animated show, into live action because the voice, the person who voices that character is, and I hate like going, oh, a real actor, quote unquote, but I mean like a more known uh, live action actor who is also built to play the character she voices. And by that, I mean... She plays a fucking Mandalorian. She, you should, you know, you have to have someone who's fit and fucking looks like they can fight. And Katie Sackhoff is fit and looks like she can fight, <laughs> so she can play the character yeah. who she voices. So her, her being in the in the series, that was the one where I read, and I'm like, yeah, that's kind of what I expected, but that's cool <laughs> that it's it's happening for sure. I'm I'm, I'm happy about that. I think I'm you a even, fan I of her. Think you even, like, I think it was stuff. the finale where you called it, obviously. 
with the, yeah, the dark, the dark saber. saber. She was the last person to have the. All right, spoilers, and I'm not going into it too much because I, I, I go into <laughs> too many Star Wars tangents. But go listen to my thing. I explained before. Star Wars Rebels is the last time we saw the dark saber, which spoilers is the thing that shows up at the end of the Mandalorian. And until it showed up at the end of the Mandalorian, the last person we ever saw, and by we I mean people who watch anything in all things Star Wars, the last time we ever saw the Darksaber was, it was in Bo-Katan's hands, which is Katie Sokup's character. So as soon as I saw it show up in someone else's hands, I go, well, how the f- how'd they get it off Bo-Katan? So Katie Sokup showing up, being like, hey, you stole my fucking Mandalorian <laughs> lightsaber. It makes perfect sense. I know? was sleeping and you stole it. What's up? Yeah, that's that's quite rude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the other, another piece of casting is that Tamuro Morrison, I think that's how you pronounce his name. I don't know. Uh, is, I believe that's, yeah, close enough. It's been reported that he will reprise his role of, as Boba Fett. Um, he previously obviously played Jango Fett in Attack of the Clones, in which all the clone troopers are based on. Uh, so... He will be part of this upcoming season of The Mandalorian. Who exactly he'll be playing is not clear. Do you have the Timothy Oliphant stuff to tie into that? Because it yes. makes him being cast as the man. Uh, the, them saying he's playing Boba Fett and then they the Timothy Oliphant start, stuff is like sort of ties in together. Like somewhat. Yes. So they announced that Tilev- Tom- Timothy Oliphant will be part of season two. Uh, they didn't specifically say who it was, but they have mentioned that he will be wearing the armor of Boba Fett. Uh, which seems to imply that he'll be playing the character of Cobb Vanth from the Aftermath, Aftermath series, uh, who I think I brought up at one point in the Mandalorians as a potential person that could be the gunslinger, the mysterious gunslinger that we see uh, standing over uh, Lee Nas' body at the end of one episode. So there's lots of interesting things here. A... Uh, Tomorrow, I can't say his name. Tomorrow, so sorry. Yeah. Morrison. We're just going to call him Morrison. Um, he, um, him being cast is interesting because, of course, it's like, well, he's going to be playing Boba Fett because that makes the most sense. But then there's other rumors I saw floating around where they're going to have. They're like, no, he's going to be playing a live action version of Rex alongside Ahsoka, which it would also make sense. In, in case you don't know, listeners, Rex is one of the key surviving clone troopers that. Uh, mm gets his inhibitor chip that makes them all go loopy-doopy, removed, and uh, survives Order 66 alongside Ahsoka Tano and their BFFs. And he's also a prominent character in Star Wars Rebels. Um, and he could be playing that character as well. He could be playing many surviving clone troopers, really, if they want to go down that road. But um, the Timothy Oliphant thing I find quite weird. I also think that's the most outlandish of the story so far because they're like, yeah, he's going to be playing Cobb Vant. This character that's... Uh, by the way, he, it's not a character that's in the Aftermath books properly. It is a character that shows up in um, in those series of books. They have these interludes between the main stories, like little short stories about different stuff happening uh, around the galaxy at the same time because those books are set pretty much directly after Return of the Jedi. So they're like, oh, this thing's happening, this thing's, this thing's happening. And one of the short stories is about this person who gets... Boba Fett's armor somehow. And ever since that first book came out, the first Aftermath book, because that was one of the original Disney novels, uh, people have been like, oh man, the armor's out. That means Boba Fett's alive somewhere. But that's why people have been grabbing onto this idea of Boba Fett being alive, because that book said that the armor's somewhere. Um, so it's not even a main character. It's like the most obscure pool 
for a character. It's it's literally from like a 15-page interlude short story if that's what they're going with. And I mean, I if it does happen, I'd be like, yeah, I mean, like, cool, I guess. Like, for as far as I'm concerned, you should make everything tie in better. Um, they should, Star Wars should, should just double down and commit to tying and doing storytelling amongst all of the mediums. Fucking go ham as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but it would be weird <laughs> to be like, his, you know that one character that has like 15 minutes of fame and had Boba Fett's armor? Yeah, that's who Timothy Oliphant's playing. And it wouldn't affect you because you don't need to read that 15 minutes to understand the character, but it would be weird. Anyway, um, I've previously stated I don't really care to have Boba Fett, but I mean, if they show up and make him interesting, then sh- sure, <laughs> I'm all about it. If they're just co- he's coming in to like show his last moments in the Sark pit. That'd be pretty yeah, cool. I, I would prefer them to do a bait and switch. I'd, I'd kind of prefer, so, like, if Boba Fett shows up and... But th- this also means this casting ruins all the bait and switch stuff, which is kind of annoying. Because it would have been cool if you see Boba Fett and everyone, like, freaks out for one episode. They're like, oh, my God, Boba Fett's back. And then next episode is revealed. It's actually this... Uh, it's Cobb Fett under the helmet. It's not actually Boba Fett. He's just got his armor. And that would have pissed off a lot of people on the internet. I would have loved it. That would have been <laughs> amazing. That would have been, like, the best thing ever. Um, and then they could have bait and switched it. Like if this, if they didn't know this about Timothy Oliphant, and then everyone was assuming Morrison was playing him, but then the bait and switch of Morrison is he's just playing Rex, not Boba Fett. So everyone's like got got fucked everywhere, duped. I'd love it if we all just get duped because all these castings like revi- it's yeah. I hope I hope I hope we all do get duped because I'm sick of all this casting just like pretty much explaining everything, but also not explaining it in a way that's exciting because it's not coming directly from StarWars.com where they're like have this blog post up by like Dave Filoni explaining why they're bringing back the character or something. You know, it's just, we're finding out in the weird ways where there's no backup information. It's just like exclusive so-and-so cast as such and such on fucking Hollywood Reporter or Variety or wherever. And there's just nothing to it. It's just kind of unsubstantial. And I don't really get excited about any of it because I'm like, well, I don't trust a lot of this. And, And I mean, these are all legit sources. So I believe these people are being cast, but I just feel like there's, like Star Wars, Lucasfilm, lots of secrecy, lots of room for bait and switch. Um, and I hope there is bait and switch, but I know they've done it before for this sort of stuff. I know yeah. Dave Filoni likes to fuck around with people as well. Like he used to do it all the time on Clone Wars and even Rebels coming out. Like he's like, oh, I've killed off Ahsoka in one season, walks out on stage at Star Wars Celebration wearing a fucking t-shirt that says Ahsoka Libs. And everyone's like, what's that mean? He's like, oh, like maybe something. And then like, she didn't even come back for two seasons. Like <laughs> the dude's a fucking troll. So yeah, I, 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 I try not to read in to any of this too much, you know. Yeah. I, I'd, I'd be interested. Was there meant to be a Star Wars celebration this year? There was meant to be one. Meant to be um, one? They have announced. I would ha- I don't know the exact details off the top of my head because I don't know if they've changed in the last month. But I remember like a month ago, they said they, when they cancelled it or whatever, they said they were going to do some sort of online thing, I believe. Like an online panel type thing, maybe. And I may be talking out my ass because I'm not double checking the facts in front of me, but something along those lines is what I remember reading and plans could have changed by now. So maybe they'll still do something. Maybe, maybe they'll, they'll do like an hour long uh, Star Wars show live stream, like the, the Star Wars show on the Star Wars YouTube channel that they now only do monthly instead of weekly because there's not much Star Wars news happening, um, which would be cool. I mean, I'm I'm sad. I, I obviously I don't actually attend Star Wars Celebration personally, but I do watch the uh, all the streams when it's on. Yep. And I like I, I would have them on around the house before work, and then when I would watch the ones I missed when I got home. They're all hosted by Warwick Davis. Usually, it's fucking good shit. 
Yeah. So, sad so I mean, maybe if that had have taken place, we would have gotten some more casting news and that kind of stuff. Uh, we, we, uh, if it, if it took place, you would have got more casting news. You were, would have presumably got an exclusive trailer that only the audience saw, like pretty much how they revealed The Mandalorian last year as well. And then I would have also expected them to reveal directors, titles, and or general idea yeah. for, for at least one of these upcoming movies there. So how they go about that now, just wake up tomorrow. But look at the Star Wars movie. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, these people, they can't keep their mouth shut. That's the problem. Yeah. How's it all leaking? They film it in a fucking warehouse with these mirror CGI technology and whatever the hell else. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like they're out in the middle of Arizona. I mean, I don't know. Why aren't they say- signing NDAs? That's the question. Clearly. I have many questions. <laughs> uh, so, interesting news, I guess, to some people. Um, apparently, Deadline has been reporting about the upcoming release of Christopher Nolan's Tenant, uh, which is currently set to be released july 17th uh solid sources have said that warner brothers has determined 80 percent of theaters in the entire globe need to be open by the time that release date rolls around otherwise they will be delaying the film uh obviously that includes theaters in new york los angeles and san francisco the three biggest markets in america uh which make up 25 percent of any given weekend's opening weekend any given movie's opening weekend uh so that would be about 35,000 screens uh, in the US and 30,000, uh, 3,500 screens in the US and 30,000 around the rest of the world uh, in order to get a solid box office return, uh, especially with the movie costing $200 million to make and Christopher Nolan having a deal where he gets 20% of the first dollar gross. Um, I did not know. That is a good a deal. Fucking, <laughs> yeah, like... Who's he got that deal with? Warner Brothers. I Warner mean, Brothers, yeah. yeah. I mean, hit, hit after hit after hit. I mean, you can negotiate that kind of yeah. But I mean, but it's weird. He gets that. Plus, they pretty much just let him do whatever the hell he wants these days. I feel like he's just like, I'm making a movie. They're like, cool, how much do you want? <laughs> so, and then they're like, we'll pay you a lot as well. So, what a what a. But buddy. maybe he's like, um, yeah, 20% of the opening days, opening weeks. Because the opening week is like the biggest amount you get. Yeah. It's so pretty a sweet money. payday, but. Uh, a lot of money. Um. Yeah, I, so this is going to happen. Uh, I I'm at the stage where I believe, like, so in Australia, uh, we're supposed to have everything up and running by July, right? End of June, early July, whatever. That's the Maybe. current aim. Yeah, well, that's the current like uh, yeah, government July. plan yeah. is what they want. Um, so I feel like that's just going to happen no matter what. And then I also just feel like the way America's going at the moment, pretty much it seems like every state whatever over there is pretty much just giving up and folding or people are folding so and trump doesn't even care anymore he's just like yeah i'm fucking taking whatever pills people give me to prove that this is all a bunch of bullshit china um so they're just gonna open all the cinemas they can all get sick whatever i like it's gonna i feel like it's gonna happen but even if they have all, all the cinemas open they're like yeah movies opening movies going ahead there's no way they're gonna have like hollywood premieres for this shit and if they do the hollywood premieres will be like in the bubble. Uh, you need Zoom two, calls. 14 day quarantine before you go you to the, attend pu- the premiere. Yeah. They all get put in a hotel and then they go to the premiere. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. They, but, that 14 but, but days, overall, they do a press for the 14 days, like everywhere. Well, usually, they would go, usually, for a movie like Tenet, they'd go on press for like a month. Yeah. You know? So, all the press is Zoom calls held at the hotel and then they go to the premiere. 
on the last day. And then they can go yeah, home. That can work. That can work. That could work. See, Warner Brothers, hit us up. We've got all the solutions. Uh, I feel like, yeah, this is going to get delayed. I don't think that number of theaters across the world is going to happen. Um, just because st- things are still not great across, like, Europe and that kind of stuff. Um, I think the th- <laughs> the three big markers that I mentioned there, New York, LA, and San Francisco, those are the, the mo- people I feel like are most like, hey, <laughs> I don't want to go out in the middle of this uh, pandemic at the moment. Specifically New York. I feel like no one in that country that is there is like, mm, I want to go to the cinema. That seems like a good idea. No, I mean, I don't want to go to the cinema either at the moment, but I just believe that everyone's just going to start opening their shit. Because, like, whenever I turn on you or see stuff on Twitter, I just feel like everywhere around the world is just kind of, oh, fuck It's it. like... <laughs> Let's just kill some, just kill some people and get it over <laughs> We can't with. afford to stay closed anymore. I mean... I mean, the, I guess the interesting question is do, how do cinemas function if no, no movies are out? Well, they don't. Like, Village Roadshow in Australia is getting brought out. I was trying to be brought out the other day I was reading about. Um, that's because, obviously, they have no cinemas open. And also, they they have money in Warner Brothers Movie Park here, Queensland. And that's not open. So, they were getting brought out. So, all the independent cinemas would be getting rightfully fucked. My local independent cinema has been doing online movie screenings. That's Where people can donate if they want. They're like, hey... Like, let's do a watch-along party, chat on Facebook or some shit. I haven't looked into it too hard. Like, if you want to help, like, buy, like, donate some money so we can keep going. Like, they're trying. Okay, I, I see them scheming, and I'm like, yeah, I appreciate what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm keen for cinemas to open, but as long as it's, like, safe and... Smoothie theaters. What a fucking... When I walk what in, whenever much. I finally go to one, I'll be like... Whoa. Whoa. Oh, it'll be like the first time all over again. I've never not, I haven't not gone to, I've never not gone to the cinema for this long before. Not, not since I've been old enough to take myself to the cinema, I don't think. You know, it's crazy. Yep. Uh, in other pandemic related news, <laughs> apparently the Academy Awards are considering pushing back the, uh, 93rd Annual Academy Awards to 2022. Uh, yeah, a source told Revirally it's likely they'll be postponed, although uh, plans are not set in concrete at the time. ABC has not yet changed the date for its telecast for the biggest night in Hollywood, nor have potential new dates been fully discussed. Uh, but if it was postponed, uh, something that hasn't happened since the prestigious award ceremony uh, was postponed a few days after the 1968 assassination of Martin, K- Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, it's unclear if the competing films would be released from both 20 to 21. 2020 to tw- and 2021 uh it's not it's not unprecedented the first oscars uh, ever was for films from 1927 to 1928 but uh obviously that's the first time that would be done in like 93 years so uh do you think the oscars especially after last episode we talked about the rule changes they made about streaming services being eligible for the oscars could the oscars be dollar postponed for a full 12 months no the academy awards won't be postponed i don't think so they're usually in what they're usually in uh february march yep right yeah no they ain't getting cancelled no way this this is this just backs onto what i was just saying about the movie theaters there's no way there's no world in which i believe america being run 
by the people who's running it now, and also the way everyone's just acting there now, um, is going to not let everything kind of just quote-unquote get back to normal, or at least pretend it's back to normal by the end of this year. No way. Cammy, what's happened? <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't know. I feel like a lot of the, the Hollywood people would not want to risk their lives, <laughs> even if it's for a statue. I feel like you say that. I say that. But what about the lovely stump people who should probably be nominated for Academy Awards or not? They they risk <laughs> they go there instead day. in place of <laughs> yeah. Finally, they're like our chance. Tom Cruise's stunt double goes up to collect his Academy Award for. Yeah, it's just Tom Cruise. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Bad choice. <laughs> <laughs> you had to pick the roast rant. <laughs> the word okay. I'd, yeah. Um, yeah. Keanu Reeves stunt double goes up to claim his award for. Yeah, I mean, he does, Bill and Ted. Also. Sure. Yep. I don't know. I feel like, yeah, this it's obviously it's so far away. Um, they don't really need to make a decision. It seems like an odd thing to be making a decision, what? We're only like two months removed from the last Academy Awards, so. So far yeah. out. I, well, I don't, I don't know how, like, I don't know if they're like, oh, it comes around to July or something, and that's when they start planning the next year. Like, I don't know what the lead time is for how long they start planning the events, I guess. Yeah. You know, like, don't have that sort of information. But maybe also they want to know so they can start planning for, like, as, you know, are they going to include two years worth, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like maybe they want to get the ball rolling on making these decisions. But here's here's how it boils down. Ultimately, none of this fucking matters. Doesn't it, though? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, arguing, worrying about if the Academy Awards are going to be on and off. I feel like it's at, it's at the very bottom of the barrel. Yeah, for events for most people. <laughs> kind of, yeah, yeah. Because like, what's the worst case scenario? They don't put them on, and then they just do one that includes two years worth of movies, and there's some more stiff competition. And it, for some people, they may be like, "Oh, why do I have to put out my movie? Surely I would have won an award if it wasn't for thing X, Y, Scooby Doo." And sure, that's going to be annoying, but like, that's the worst case scenario. Isn't even that bad, you know what I'm saying? So, whatever, it's fine. Delay it for an extra year if you need to. Yeah. Do double the amount of nominees. Yeah, that seems like an important year. change. And just fix it that way. Like ten nominees you know? for or or do both. Like do both ceremonies in the same year. Announce two best pictures, two best of everything. Yeah, fuck like it. A one, double one, night one from event. The, yeah. See this what yeah, why are they worried about this? It's a non issue. Fucking non issue. <laughs> Easy so many ways It'd to be, solve it. We just because if they it. do put it together, everybody else is gonna make their own lists anyway, so Easy, too easy. Might as well give an award for each year. All right. Yeah. Uh, news has finally come out about the Scar- Scarface reboot that's been in the works since, uh, let's see, 2011 was when Universal- Talking about something that's not going to happen. <laughs> 2011. <laughs> so a lot of people have been attached to this. Uh, Pablo Lorraine was attached to direct the film at one point, uh, who had previously done films like No and Jackie. Um then Anton Fuqua was attached uh, to direct at one point uh, with Diego Luna cast as the lead of Scarface. Uh, then the Coen brothers were attached as uh, writers at one point. Uh, apparently, they still have written a script, and that script is going to be directed by Luca Guadagino, Guadagino? Uh, who is most famous for uh, Call Me By Your Name. But also did the most recent uh, reboot of Suspiria. Um, 
are you a Scarface fan? And does the thought of uh, call the director of Call Me By Your Name remaking Scarface excite you? No one remaking Scarface excites me. Yes, I am a Scarface fan. I feel like everyone is a Scarface fan. You, you probably haven't seen it, right? Yep. <laughs> right on the money. Yeah, there. see? There, there, there we go. Say hello to my little fucking list of Ashes movies that are classics that he hasn't seen. Little? Um, yeah, large lists. I don't know. I, 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 You're trying I to work with the, phrasing? Yeah, I was yeah. trying to work it into the quote, but it didn't really work out the way I wanted to. Um, no, yeah, I love Scarface. I mean, that's that was the, at one stage, I did say it was my favorite movie, like when I was in high school. What's your favorite movie? Scarface. Scarface. Easily Scarface. Watched it heaps of times. Great movie. Don't remake it. There's no reason to remake it. Well, I try to be open to remakes because a lot of the time I do understand, you know, like it reaches a stage where a movie's so old and the story or whatever is classic enough that in in an attempt to get new audiences to enjoy it, you have to remake it because new audiences, kids these days, man, kids these days, they won't go back and watch older movies. And even though in my mind, Scarface is only... It's the fucking 80s, you know? Like, it, it's not black and white. Yeah, and, this is like you know, 30 years ago. Fucking, it's not even that old, as far as I'm concerned. You know, it's not like it's in black and white or some shit. It was made for $50 sh- shoestring budget kind of snow. I, I watch it now. I watched it last year. It's, it still holds up, as far as I'm concerned. It's, it's perfectly fine. It's a great movie. Uh, so, I don't really care who makes it. I think this choice for the director is interesting because I guess a lot of people, especially if you haven't seen it, you may be like gangster movie Scarface, or you'd do like an action director or something like that. But Scarface doesn't actually have that many action sequences in it. Like it's got the one, the most famous one, and there are a couple like smaller ones. But ultimately, when it came down to it, it was for the it is for the most part a drama um, about immigration into America and then you know the the rise through. The, the drug empire that this character goes through. And a lot of that is just dramatic storytelling, especially between his best friend, uh, the woman who becomes his wife, and some other people. Like, There's lots of elements there that I could see. And I would prefer a dramatic director be involved than an action director because I wouldn't want it to be turned into a just straight-up gangster action film where there's fucking shootouts happening left, right, and center. Because one of the reasons I think Scarface works so well is because... It doesn't have so much action. And then when you get to that final famous shootout scene, that's why it is like so bombastic because they just go pelt to metal right at the end of the movie kind of thing. So, yeah, I don't want it remade. I'll watch it probably. I mean, sure. <laughs> but I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't need remade. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, if someone's going to do it, I think he's an interesting choice. Obviously, he did Suspiria the other year, um, which was very different or very unique take on the original he didn't just do a shot for shot remake or follow the story strictly uh he made it his own and that kind of thing so i think that's the kind of i prefer that i would prefer someone to be like look it's based on scarface but i'm saying it in 2010 and like you know like take the idea of the american immigration story and you could like bring that into maybe modern day times and be like what's that look like currently you know like say something about um, immigration currently in america and then just tie it back into the drug empires type stuff you, you could do an interesting take on that and not set it in the same time period with the same characters because it does have a theme in the movie yep yeah. uh and then we'll end this new segment on some good news uh disney decided to drop some good news on us last week the hamilton uh live production film version live capture of the performance uh, that they, was scheduled to be released in theaters in October 15th, 2021, is now going to be coming to Disney Plus on July 3rd, 2020. Uh, 
coup for all I'm musical theatre fans everywhere. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm keen as. Can't wait. Um, I, I, see, I was even originally looking into buying tickets for Hamilton and Sydney. It was amusing. What, what I saw, offer? I got an email like the other day from them saying, yeah, did you say pre-book your tickets? I, yeah, I, I had the same email come through. It's like, oh, da 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 da, da uh, set it a calendar because you you want to make sure you get your tickets. But I honestly looked at it and I'm like, but if I can watch it on Disney Plus now, like I know it's not the same. Yeah. But will it will it do enough for me to tie me over? And maybe or maybe not. I may get dragged to Sydney anyway because um, my one and only friend in the state I live in is obsessed with Hamilton. Hamilton. Like he pretty much anytime I look on Spotify, you know how it says like what people are listening to? Yeah. All day, every day. Hamilton, 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 Hamilton. He's fucking obsessed. This is why he's signing up to Disney Plus, by the way. If you want to know like what gets people to sign up to Disney Plus randomly, he has not signed up for Disney Plus at all the entire time it's been out. He's like, oh I'm finally signing up for this. He's sold. <laughs> really? Now? I'm like, well can you go watch the Clone Wars and fucking Mandalorian? He's like, yeah, now that I've got it I will. But Hamilton was it. Why that was the you wait till line. July? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, that was a pushing line. Well, he's waiting till July. I mean, but oh, that's okay. when he's, he's like, that's when I'll sign up. July. Didn't care for it before then. And he's watched all of the Clone Wars apart from the, the last season that's now on there. That wasn't enough either. Nah, fuck that. Don't care. Hamilton though. <laughs> Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yeah. Fucking sign me up. Yeah. So for those who don't know, Hamilton is a, th- Broadway music from 2015, uh, following the event, inspired by the events of uh, the life of Alexander Hamilton, a founding father of the United States of America, uh, chronicling his life from like the Civil War through the like beginnings of the government and that kind of thing. So, but it's performed by a very diverse uh, multicultural cast, and it's musical, like rap musical, R and B influenced. It's award winning. Yes. Probably, probably one of the I would say as someone who's not like does I don't watch the Tonys or nothing like that, but from like a general sort of watching the news consensus over the last like five years or whatever, I would say that this is the biggest stage production we've had in quite some time. Hamilton. Yes, I would say probably the biggest in the this century, arguably. Yeah, I would think so. And as I'm saying, I'm not I'm no expert on. Plays well, the fact that this is the only one you know says a lot. I fucking know heaps. Cats, Tarzan, Jungle Boy. That weren't out in the last 10, 20 years. <laughs> I know all the Shakespeare shit, man. Fucking Like new new stuff. Romeo, Romeo, Hamilton up there. Why do you Romeo think, <laughs> obviously Disney signed uh, the distribution deal for this live uh, screening, live cast or whatever they want to describe it as uh, for $75 million. Is this a good investment rather than having a theatrical run? Maybe they were, they were like, well, it's not going to do well in the cinemas anymore because cinemas, I think this just, you don't think it would have done well in like 12 months time when. Oh, maybe, 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 but maybe they've had to delay or unable to shoot a lot of stuff. They may have had planned in the pipeline for uh, Disney Plus. Maybe they've had post-production, like, scrapped or delayed on a lot of shows because people can't get into editing bays or, you know, like, I don't really know what they had planned coming up or what what they were doing, but maybe they had to reshuffle some things and they're like, you know what, Hamilton is a thing that a lot of people would probably care about or maybe sign up to. 
as I was just talking about. So yeah, they were like, oh, "Fuck it, this is a good one. Let's let's put this bad boy." In. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, man, that could be a thing that they're, they're like, "Hey, we've got nothing new to put on the Disney Plus service. We need to boost yeah. numbers." I, I can't imagine the numbers would have dropped a hell of a lot, but there's no, no, there's no must see series Wars on is the most watched the TV show of the year. According to some stat thing that was going around another last week, yeah. Clone Wars is the most streamed TV show of the year. Apparently, that's pretty impressive. Apparently, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, this is good news for all of us. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it translates. Obviously, it was, I've seen clips and that kind of stuff of performances online and that kind of thing, but it, how they actually shot yeah, this. This will, be this will be great. This will be it'll be shot better. It'll be mic'd up better. better. You know, like the audio quality will be better. It'll be mixed better. It'll be cut better. You know, like I've seen some of these clips online as well, but none of them, you know, you can hear them, but it, it ain't right because it's not right. You know, this this is a proper production where it'll be mixed and edited accordingly and I expect it to be good. <laughs> yep. The only thing I'd be concerned about is uh, obviously there's some uh, language in the show that might not be Disney+. Plus language well, whether they censor M, then, you know get over it but is it oh, well i guess there is m-rated stuff on disney plus yeah yeah i know i, I i'll tell you who's licking their lips about this warner brothers mm. they're in the heights musical that's been delayed till next year everybody get hyped up and be able to watch hamilton this year they're like oh we need more of that lin-man lin-manuel miranda music <laughs> <laughs> so they head straight to spotify to listen to it yeah <laughs> I can see it. The recommended movie after you watch this will be Moana. Uh, Maybe. Yeah, yeah, it's the same. Uh, all right, that's I, all. I would the- agree if I thought that Disney's uh, uh, after you finish recommendations are any good, but most of the time they are terrible. They hey, are you pretty- just finished watching this movie? How would you like to watch something at all not related <laughs> at all? <laughs> like, get the hell out of here. Or the exact same. Well, yeah, or the exact same thing. Yeah. Or, like, the, the sequel or, like, the third one in the franchise. It's like, hey, you just watched the first uh, Star Wars D-Ducks movie. movie. Would you like to watch the fourth one? <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to watch the animated spin-off series? Yeah. Yeah. Don't right. recommend the sequel. <laughs> no. All right. Uh, that's all the news we've got for this episode. Uh, let's move into what did we end up watching. Dylan, what did we end up watching? We watched Rain. Yes, the 1985 film directed by Akira Kurosawa, starring Tatsuo Nakata, uh, Akira Tawari, Jinpachi Nizu, Desuki Ryu, Maiko Harada, Peter, 
Hisashi Igawa, Yoshiki, Yoshiko Miyazaki, Miyazaki. <laughs> uh, in medieval Japan, an elderly warlord retires, handing over his empire to his three sons. However, he vastly underestimates how the newfound power will corrupt them and cause them to turn on each other and him. Uh, Dylan, this is an interesting choice. Why'd you pick this film for this episode? I picked this because if you don't care about games, but th- just hold your, hold on for a second. They, last week, uh, as I've record, yeah, no, last week when this comes out too, it's still fine. Uh, they showed a gameplay, extensive gameplay for this P- PlayStation 4 game called Ghost of Tsushima. It, ba- they were like, hey, this game has a black and white mode. I'm like, hey, it's Kyushima mode. Let's watch a Kyushima movie. And then I was looking for one to watch and I was like, you know, how about I watch one I actually haven't seen that's not at all in black and white, but we got here anyway, so that's how we ended up watching this. Yes. Uh, So, what did you think of Rand? No, that was great. It's, um... I mean, it's it's what you would call an old-school epic, as far as I'm concerned. It's it's so funny, because I feel like if you think of epic these days, and you tell people, like, what's an epic movie? Everyone's just going to be like, Marvel or some shit. You know, like, big, bombastic, fucking million-one special effects and whatever else. But whenever I think of, like, old-school epics, this is kind of what I picture. Like, there's so much production and shit happening in this movie, and it's a massive story kind of you know like there's a lot going on so this this is what i prefer this is what i'd call an old school epic um i thought the i thought all the actors were great especially the what the fuck is the dude who plays the tatsuya nakati yeah nakati the who plays the the main character the, the lord whatever his name is um he was great kind of considering he's and also shout out to the makeup people because although you can tell sometimes they have aged him up for the most part yeah. i thought it looked pretty yeah it looked good. pretty good yeah like they've aged him up to be much older than what that actual actor was at the, uh, at the time that's great also it's got a certain like this comes out 1985 but honestly it feels like an older movie in some ways yeah and i think the most prominent one that stood out to me not that i have a problem with it is just simply how much of it is uh kurosawa being like you like the shots framed you know he's like this looks great from here and then how about the people go act for like a minute straight you know like there's just a lot of framing the three four actors or whatever in one frame and then they just all interact within that it doesn't like cut the close-ups or anything like that i think mm. I, I think there's like barely any cuts to close-ups of people's faces ever in this movie like even when there's lots of shocking revelations or people reveal things or people say things in these days you'd cut to a close-up of that person's face or something you know like like Ugh! and like i was thinking about the the opening of this movie well not the opening opening but the one of the early scenes where uh, the family all gets into an argument. So the the Lord gets into an argument with his uh, three sons. sons because early in the whole premise of the movie is he's going to step down and he, he basically hands his title over to one of his other sons and then one of them's not happy about it. The other one's like, yeah, this is cool, whatever. And the father gets into an argument with his three sons all about it. And I was thinking, if this movie was made today, there were so many moments there where I'm like, that would have been a close-up shot to him like gripping tight on his sword that would have been a close-up shot of that person's face like you would have switched you know all these sorts of things but it's just all kind of like frames here and let people act like it's sort of a it's like stage playing you know what i mean and the only time the movie goes into lots of cutting and showing you what's happening 
is the most, uh, the biggest, I wouldn't call it a battle, <laughs> kind of, like the slaughter scene, like halfway through the movie. Yep. That's the most you'll ever see of cuts to close-ups and cuts to the wide angles and whatever else. It's it's quite interesting, I feel, the way it's like shot and then also just edited together. Because I, I would say in some of these other movies, they I like similar, of course, like, because they are old, so they're sort of shot in a certain sort of way. But I do feel like for, for this one, it was just framed a lot more for kind of like it was a play or something, which is weird because it's based on um, King Lear, Shakespeare's King Lear. Yes, you know. So I don't know if that played a part in being like, let's kind of tell it dramatically as the dramatic tale is. Yeah, you know. uh, I liked it. I think it was long and obviously of its era. That kind of thing. Um, the story was interesting. Obviously, a father who slowly goes bad uh, because of his uh, son's betraying him, but also his past crimes coming to haunt him and that kind of thing. Um, I don't have too much to say. It was fine. I it was it looked beautiful. Obviously, there were some sequences that were really cool. Obviously, the sequence where he stays alive, even though every single person around him gets killed. Uh, during that, I guess, slaughter uh, or ambush in that third castle, um, where especially he's just sitting there and all the arrows are going straight past his head and everything. That was cool. I thought that was interesting. Uh, yeah, it's, it is obviously a retelling of King Lear's. I don't know King Lear at all, uh, but obviously it's a tale of three sons losing, like being corrupted by power and that kind of thing. Even though the third son, he was fine. He, he was he was he had his head on straight from the start, and uh, it's um I would say it's very stereotypical Shakespeare stuff, which is just yeah, it's tales about corruption and greed and you know family. I feel like these are prominent themes in most of, if not all, Shakespeare stuff. So, uh, it's it's also weird because apparently he started writing this not to be based on King Lear, but then once he started working on it, he was like, oh, this is, if I, I, I base, like, he just started into working more of King Lear, and then eventually that's the road it went down. But also, the, the character that Peter plays, Peter, or however you say that person's name, um, Kaomi, right, yep, Kaomi, that, who the is fool. weird to watch in the movie, because yep. that is the character that stands out the most for the time period and setting, and I googled it after, and I'm like, did it, like samurai did medieval Japanese times, did they have jesters? Yeah. The answer is no. <laughs> no, they did not have jesters. And the only reason this character, because that's what that character is, it's like a yeah. it's a it's a court jester. And the reason that character is in the movie is because it's based on King Lear. And instead of like taking it out, they Created. or Kurosawa yeah. chose to like kind of force a type of role into a period of time that didn't actually exist. So that's interesting when you look at the big picture because that's a prominent character throughout the whole movie, this this court jester type character. And it kind of works. Like it doesn't feel like when I was first watching it, I was weirded out because I'd never actually seen a jester type character in medieval Japan, Japan. before. Yeah. And I was like, this is weird. Like anyway, I, I got over it. I watched the whole movie. I get to the end and then I Google it. I'm like, well, that's why it felt weird because it is not a thing apparently. So yeah. <laughs> I th- oh, I, he was very amusing. I think some of the language used, even translated, was fun. Um, it's know. a hey. Even, you know, he's a. What was it? Empty. Gourd. 
in the wind. Apparently, that's an insult. Is it? Apparently. I don't know. Uh, yeah, very energetic. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, beautifully shot. Obviously, I at the start of the film, I'm like, damn. Surely this is like kind of CGI or something. The backgrounds like look kind of out of... <laughs> Don't look the same as like the foreground, and got, but it's just I guess the framing or the actual yeah. mountains no, in the I mean, background. It's, like, it's all it's all real, yeah, um, or at least sets uh, with like fake mountains, maybe yeah. like cardboard in the background or something. But I mean, it's old old school movie trickery. It's not like CGI or something. But then that also makes I think some of the battle stuff more impressive because I'm like, oh my fucking god, do they really have a thousand extras in this scene or what? You know, like yeah. The, it's all, and I know there's several other movies you can watch back in the day, like even older than this, that have a ridiculous amount of extras. But whenever I see an old movie with lots of extras in a battle scene, I'm just like, how? What the fuck? Like, there's there's also a scene where people are falling off between horses, and I was wondering how they shot that because I know how they would shoot it these days, uh, and it uses involves using CGI. But I'm always like, man, people are just getting so close to being trampled here, and I just <laughs> you just know that's what's happening. There's no way around it, so. Yeah, I I don't know what else to say. I feel like certain elements were very progressive, like a woman being the person behind everything. I guess not really that progressive, but considering it's based on King Lee, but I can't imagine that would be a very prominent thing. Well, maybe at that time period in Japan, the 80s, like a woman being the villain. um, (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Like, there's lots of differences between... I was saying medieval Japan, medieval like Europe, they're very. I feel like the the, the female yeah. roles are a lot different as well. So yeah, you have to wonder. Also, it's the one of those things. I I have seen this before in movies, so it didn't weed me out so much. But I completely forgot it was a thing where they'd shave their fucking eyebrows off and like paint them off and paint yeah. them back on much higher. And I, I can't remember the first time I ever saw it in a movie, but I definitely googled it straight after. <laughs> Whatever my first <laughs> what is up with Japan movie was. I was like, what the fuck is with the people's eyebrows? And that, yeah, I mean, it's supposed to be a, uh, like, and not everyone does. It's only a, um, you know, like upper class type thing. You shave your eyebrows off to literally paint them on high on your face because that's sort of esteemed or whatever. However, when you're watching the movie, straight away you're like, the f- did you have a texter on her forehead? Like, what, <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck is going on here? <laughs> yeah. Really no, but I, I enjoy it. I would, um, it, it was a weird one because, I probably would have picked, um, oh, fuck, I'm mental breaking on the same, uh, R- 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 Rashomon, right? That was, yeah, that's it. I think I'm saying it right. Rashomon. That was probably what I would have picked. Uh, however, it wasn't anywhere easily to stream because that one probably was potentially going to be the most like ghosts, uh, going off it. But then when I couldn't find that, I was like, ah, oh, I might as well watch one I haven't watched before. So yeah. I feel good to tick this off my list. I mean, this, this is, I would like to actually watch all the, the few other, Kurosawa movies that I haven't watched, or maybe at least everything that I haven't watched prior to this, or at least all of the medieval Japan slash samurai typey stuff of his that I haven't watched. Uh, maybe some of his other movies as well, but this movie is also, I think, in like IMDb's top 250, so I can like tick another one off that list at the same time. Ding, ding, ding. But I enjoyed mm-hmm. it. Like, it was good. It is long. Uh, certain scenes I w- I'm like, yeah, that could be cut up these days, blah, blah, blah fix that you can make this seem more exciting by having the editing being a bit more um lively you know th- there are certain things you could obviously do to do to update the movie but 
I don't I don't mind too much. I think the the story is engaging. I think old actors are great. I think um some great cinematography for the time. That and as I said, the the battle scenes I was super impressed with like just the amount of people and stuff going on. I was like fucking hell. Yeah. Insane. I get less impressed these days because you just know everything's CGI and you're like, whatever. Yeah, it's like, uh... <laughs> All right, that brings us to the end of this episode of What Do You Want to Watch? If you want to find us on Twitter, you go to explosionnet.com slash Twitter. All our handles are there. Uh, of course, just go to explosionnet.com in general to find all our news, reviews, and other podcasts. Uh, if you want to give us, send us an email, go to mail at explosionnet.com. And if you want to help us out, leave us a review, either on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser, or say something nice on Twitter. Or tell your friends about the podcast. I'm going to joke this week. I couldn't think of one. All right. Thank you very much for listening. And until next time, keep watching stuff, I guess.